0: Hello, and welcome to Sustain, the podcast where we talk about sustaining open source software. How do we code for the long haul? How do we keep doing what we're doing? How do we make sure that our code is awesome and that we are awesome too? Today, we have two panelists with me. I'm Richard Littower, as normal. Then we also have Eric Berry. Hey, everybody. And Justin Dorfman. Hello, hello. And then we have a special guest today, Jehudam Naya Ibiam.
1: Hi. (laughs) Where are you calling from? I'm calling from Nigeria.
0: Awesome. And what do you do there?
1: I'm a software developer with Sugar Labs, where I maintain and develop um, educational software for kids. Awesome. And yeah, I also work with, I'm also part of an with by the state government, rather, where they train kids on how to various tech skills. So it started about a year ago, and we've trained over 800 kids so far. That is super cool.
0: How does sugar sh- labs train kids? How does that tend to work?
1: Okay, Sugar Lab does not train kids. Okay. See, sugar Labs supports Sugar. Got it. A desktop. Sugar Lab does not train kids. The government of my state has a program that trains kids. I'm working with them on that. But I'm also part of Sugar Labs as a developer where I modify and maintain the software That's part of Sugar. Sugar itself is an educational platform, a collection of educational tools that promotes free, libre, open source software, and basically, it's um, one of the core and principles it was founded upon was constructivism, learning widening. Basically, constructivism. Constructivism helps. Constructivism is a learning theory rather that helps. That basically says that experience is the best way of getting knowledge. You can learn more about Sugar Labs by going to our website um, at sugarlabs.org, and you can definitely get more info about Sugar Labs from there.
0: Awesome. So Sugar Labs is like a whole combination of things. It's like a, a ton of different code which can be used for educational purposes.
1: Sugar Labs is a community that supports and maintains sugar. Awesome. What, what is sugar? Aside sugar from a delicious is, treat. <laughs> okay, sugar is a desktop collection of educational tools. Sugar is sort of an OS on its own. Like you have um, Fedora and Ubuntu, um, Sugar is just like that. But it's a collection of educational tools. We have lots of lots of tools. We call them activities. So the idea is that when Sugar is being incorporated into the curriculum in school, it gets easier for students to learn and easily. Pass in information, basically collaborate between one another. I was introduced to Sugar back then when I was in um, secondary school. We call it secondary school in Nigeria, but you probably know it as junior high school. So that was when I was introduced to it. Now, um, back then, we used it to learn in our class. And it was very, very awesome because there was something we did back then as classmates. We created a game. Um, everybody here, I guess you've heard of Scratch, Scratch programming language, but the block based programming language. Scratch was an activity we had back then, and we created a game where every, we had like we we a group of friends, we were like six or five, seven of us, I can't remember the exact number. We created this game, and the most important thing I remember from the whole idea behind the game was that everybody did something, you see, everybody did something, because everybody could do something, so we all applied everything we could do collaboratively, and then we created something, and then everybody was very, very proud of it, but... The main thing was we all did something. Everybody was part of something. So with SUGAR, there's this collaboration. SUGAR supports collaboration between people. It was Jim Piaget actually was the one behind the constructivism theory, theory, where he explained that students actually, is basically a theory where students learn by their own experiences. So that's what SUGAR is founded upon.
0: That's awesome. Is
2: this a very regional project? Is this typically... Used only by those in Nigeria or in Africa, or is this something that's taken
1: off globally? It's 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 taken off globally. It sugar is quite huge. It's been used by it's it has been used by over a million kids, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. And it has been used because back then we we in Nigeria when um the OLPC, when the OLPC and Sugar Labs, they were together some years ago, but they split at some point due to whatever reasons that was they split and Sugar Labs became a community on its own, and then the OLPC Still existed on their own, so when they came to Nigeria, they had the sugar labs basically. Sugar labs and sugar were implemented in three schools, and I was one of I was I attended one of, I attended one of those schools. So then we had given um, the hundred dollar laptop as you probably know it as is also called the OLPC laptop, one laptop per child, um, little two laptop, and then that was here in Nigeria. I know in Uruguay, they had other deployments, so I call them deployments because a deployment is made up of not just people using sugar, like students themselves, they're made up of programmers and teachers who develop applications on these um, on sugar based on the curriculum and what they need for themselves in their school, you see. So a deployment has not just students using sugar itself, it has students, it has um, developers and it has teachers. So they all, the teachers and the developers all look at the needs of the students and then create or modify existing applications based on those needs. So they were very active deployments in, I know of Uruguay and I know of Paraguay. Shiga was widely used, not just in Nigeria. But we we're fortunate we had it in Nigeria too because it did a lot of good.
0: I love platforms like this. I mean, I've, I've worked with Scratch before and taken it into public schools as part of like Hour of Code here in the States. And it's great <laughs> watching kids play with code for the first time and learning how to, how to do things, how to make for loops and imagining them going on to become developers later. We've already had another guy on the show who also worked with Sugar Labs, Samson Godie. He was one of our earlier... Yeah, I know him. Yeah, he's great. He's super fun. <laughs> um, what I'm curious is how, how did you get involved with, with sugar? How did you get started? So you said that you did it as a kid, but how, how are you now on the team? How did that happen?
1: when we were in school samson and i were friends so what, what happened was we were actually quite interested when the first time i got the laptop when i went home actually what what was in my mind was i wanted to know what was going like what was going on behind the scenes what was going on behind what i was just seeing. i wanted to know how it worked how did it work what could i do so i tingled a lot that night i, I, I couldn't sleep you know it was very very exciting uh, back then so um, i played a lot around it and then with time, I got to explore. Although we had somebody who, who was from Slumberj. Slumberj was a company that had a partnership with um, the OLPC. So we had somebody from Slumberj who was supposed to guide us. There are times when he was he was more of an administrative guide than a technical guide, you see. Yeah, he, he basically, he could just touch on the surface of certain things, not basically go in depth as we probably needed to hear them. But so what happened was... As i got interested i actually did not know what programming was at the time i had no idea literally no idea so it was after some time they had these um training workshops back in they used to run in school but i was fortunate to attend one i was supposed to due to some reasons i was very unfortunate to attend one so later on i got somebody a friend of mine had attended something i attended actually so um when he got back we got discussing he met um somebody claudia she she'd been to our school once, but I couldn't remember. So later on I got to know about programming. You he he shared his experience at the workshop with me and all so he'd met Claudia and Claudia had introduced him to Walter and he came back and then he told me all this. And then we I introduced me to Walter. We started talking and then that was when I knew about um back then, yeah, Walter told me about Code Academy, he had told us about the Sugar Labs community. We were able to see that there were people, there were young people like us. We we're part of the community too. we were doing stuff. We knew nothing, so we, we asked for direction. And then this was after we were done with our junior high school. You see, this was during our last years, and after we were done. So we got to. Um, I I used code It wasn't. It wasn't. It was. It was quite hectic at first because what happened was, in in such a setting, um, I had to go to the cyber cafe regularly. You see, so I had to go to a cafe where I pay for internet services and. Mm. This, the money I got to pay for the service was one where I saved any money given to me for any reason. And I, I had no laptop of my own, so I had to save every money I had and go to the Cyber Cafe regularly. I was always on Code Academy anytime I went there, trying to learn. Had a book where I wrote down things. So when I get home, I could easily read them again so I wouldn't forget. So that was how it all started. And then, yeah, the, the EXO was quite helpful in the sense that it was helpful that I, I was able to read some books on it. But I couldn't do much, you see, because I, I it was limited in a lot of sense. It had very little RAM and space, and it, it was it was a federal remix, so they limited the the people, the creators had limited lots of things that we could do as students. So I started learning about Python. I actually started learning Python because I wanted to be able to create a sugar activity of my own and or modify the existing ones. That was the reason why I started learning Python, and eventually. <laughs> I, I'm laughing because I just remember that, you know, I'm, I'm from a community where there's the norm, where you'd either want to be a doctor or a lawyer or an engineer. So yeah, and I actually wanted to be an engineer because of my cousin. She had told me that she was the big thing. But when I discovered yeah, um, so I hadn't made up my mind yet at the time, but when I started learning Python, I discovered that this was something I actually loved. I actually had the power to create something, and that was where I decided that I don't, know, I don't want to be an engineer anymore. I actually want to become a programmer. So it wasn't, it wasn't easy. There were days when I didn't have money on me to go to the cafe, you know. So but we we definitely found ways, aside the fact that it was, I, I made friends with the people at the cafe. So sometimes I go there and I don't pay for the service because I was friends with some of them. <laughs> so. That was how it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you have to do what you have to do to survive. Yeah. You know, and um, I still learned in Python. And then I, there was one time my ex was spoiled and everything just stopped, you know, after my ex was spoiled. Um, I had left junior high school, I had left secondary junior secondary school. I was in senior secondary school. So I would I, do in in my last in um, junior secondary school, I'd met the lead, um, the person in charge of the initiative between OLPC and Slumberj in Nigeria. I'd met her and she saw that we had certain skills that are very useful. And the next year, I, I was part of the C training I hadn't gotten to attend some years earlier. And I taught teachers and students how to use Scratch to create models, basically, of their science projects. So that was one thing. Uh, yeah, I was able to do that uh, I, uh, as part of a workshop where I taught teachers and students on how to use Scratch and create models of their science projects. At this time, I was still using the EXO. I was still using exo, so eventually when my exo spoiled, I had nothing. Everything was put on pause. Basically, I had to. Um, the only thing that sustained me was cyber cafe, you know. So I had to. If I if I didn't go to the cyber cafe, I would just couldn't. I would not be able to do anything. I didn't have a phone at the time either, so that was just about it. It was it was quite difficult, you know, because it got to a time when I I didn't have money for quite some time to go to the cyber cafe, and I just didn't go. So it was. It wasn't very, very easy. But back then, I had, as time went on, I, when I go to the Affair, I, I, I had joined the Sugar Labs community. I had I decided to participate in Google Coding in my last year in secondary school. I didn't know much, basically, but I knew at least there were beginner tasks I could solve. There were the beginner tasks I could finish. So I did them, and that was when I got into the community. I had known people in the community, but I had not officially been a member of the community yet. So that was when I became part of the community. And then Somebody in the community about a year, um, about two years later, got me a laptop. And um, he said he'd wanted to send laptops to um, something and I, because we had been, it was we had been part of the community. We had been. They wanted us to do more, you know. So they wanted to. Do, they wanted us to do more stuff. So they sent now. Um, we are able to do. Something was able to raise some money by a laptop. They sent the other one, and that was how I got um, a real laptop for. That was how I got a better laptop rather of my own, and. I've been able to grow since then. Um, I'm way better than I was back then. Yeah, I'm very active maintainer our sugar labs, and currently one of the um, program, the organization admins in DCSGCI. I was last year too, and I'm still one of the organization admins in DCSDCI too.
0: That is a beautiful story. I thank you so much for talking for so long <laughs> uninterrupted. It's just,
2: thank
0: you. I, I love hearing it. It's very different from my experience. My experience is nothing like that. Coding is something I sort of backed into. I didn't really want to do it. It just sort of happened. I always wanted to be an English language poet. I don't know where that messed up. And then I used to go dumpster diving in my neighborhood, like at my school, and I had maybe, you know, 10 to 15, like whole computers in my basement that I had just found at dumpsters and pieced together with monitors. And so hearing that you had to go to a cyber cafe and had to save up money and then didn't have a laptop and worked on the one laptop for a child laptop for so long is just completely just mind shattering for me. So that's totally awesome. Thank you so much for sharing.
3: But that's, yeah, that's such a great you. success story for, yeah. you know, is it OLPC or one laptop? Yeah. Child? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Cause I just remember seeing that an, an 60 minutes piece on it and I was like, Oh, that's cool. You know I, I think it'll help some people, but for this to then turn into an open source contributor and this is just one story so I think this is a really really it just makes me feel really good that you know that movement really moved to another movement which is foss Africa and I would love to ask you more about that the hashtag FOSS Africa, because I see it in my feed, probably because Samson, but you know other people are doing it too. So can you go more into what the movement's about?
1: Let, let me talk about something, I, um, something I, that I planned, it, although it's still in motion, but it's on hold at the moment. As time went on, yeah, I got to know what open source was. Um, all this was from Sugar Labs. I got to read about open source, get to know the principles of open source. And then there was this deployment they had in Uruguay Yes, he does. it was very, very active deployment. They had a, an experienced um, programmer. He, he had nothing, he should have nothing less than 30 to 25 to 30 years of experience. He, he started um, this, basically, it was part of their extracurricular activity in school, but he had the idea, he started it and he accepted it into the curriculum, where he took out 9 to 12-year-olds. And what he did was he taught them how to code those who were interested. So. And from that program, I saw a post recently that it's, it's, it was closed down, but I saw a post recently that it was coming back. But from that program, they produced um, lots of really, really good programmers. I mean, young people who could write code, could do lots of wonderful things. And it, when I started out, it wasn't very, very easy for me. So what, one thing I had planned to do was start such a thing here in Nigeria. And although it's, 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 it's actually a whole, I plan to start with a teacher in one of the schools here because she has this audience and I have the skill I can teach. So the idea is we want to start um, introducing people from that age to open source, at least first of all, before even, yeah, we are we're also considering other adults, but at least the kids who would exist tomorrow when we're no longer there. They should have an idea too. It wasn't difficult, it wasn't easy for us. So I wanted to I want to make it easy for those who I could make it easy for. And the thing is in, in Africa, it's when you, when you talk about open source, some people would laugh because um, the challenges here are very, very real. You see, they are very, very real. People would only want to do something when they know they have they, they get something in return, basically. There's an ROI on whatever they do. That's that's the thing with people here because life here is not as rosy as it is outside in some other parts of the world. So when anybody applies, they intend to get something back in return. So I'm actually happy at the fact that this um, wave of awareness being created by the open source community, Africa, where they tend to um, um, want to create the awareness on open source and there's, there's been quite a lot of people know about open source to see, because there's a list of created by Nigerians. Yeah, there's a list I can, I can get you the link for that. There's a list for that. Basically, it shows that people have, at one time or the other, wanted to, at least when they create something, share with people that, so that people could use and probably give feedback, even if they are not expecting them to make any contribution, but at least give feedback. But the awareness being created right now is very, very good because it shows that it can show people out there in other parts of the world that people in Africa here can do lots of things too. They can create software, they can maintain existing software, they can modify existing software. So I really, really like the idea of movement right now being made by the Open Source Community Africa. I really, really like the idea. But what I think is one thing um, to create awareness and also at the same time, it's um, another thing to help people. After creating the awareness, you help them in whatever way you can to learn and apply their knowledge. So I think the First Africa Movement going on is really, really good because at this, even if we're creating a lot of awareness at this point, that's really, really awesome because a lot of people still do not know what open source is and they are just they just get into it. I, Sometimes I see tweets from some of you and I'm like, okay, so what actually is open source? I would love to get involved. There's still that depth of open source, in, the knowledge of open source in Africa. So I'm really glad that at this point there are people who are moving forward, bridge the gap, and share what they know and teach people about open source. Because in, in open source, open, open source in itself is its own reward. You know, when you look at Google um, or other software companies that pay people, or they have um, developers that pay them. These developers normally, when you, when you work on something big, you tend to get better. But there's a there's a difference when you're not being you're applying your skill. You're learning at the same time. You're applying what you know, even if you're not getting paid, but you would not get that experience to get in open source just about anyway, because in open source, there's more there. There are lots of people involved, so everybody's bringing his own idea um, when you're wrong about something or when you're not, you don't have a certain idea about something. Somebody could explain it better in a way you could understand. So yeah, I'm really glad about the movement right now happening on in Africa. And I, it will continue. That's what sort a of fact. And I believe it will continue. And I want it to continue.
0: Are you going to be involved with the conference, uh, the Open Source Festival, in February?
1: Yeah, yeah, I'll be attending. Yeah, I'll definitely be attending. <laughs> and I was actually invited to attend Sustain last year. But I couldn't due to certain reasons. These are issues, actually. It would have been a nice experience because I would have gotten to meet a lot of people. But I do hope to attend next year's own. Awesome. That's awesome.
0: You were talking at the beginning, so sugar is just part of part of what you do. It was also you have mentioned eight hundred kids were teaching through governmental programs. Can you talk a bit about how that started, how you got involved with that, and what what
1: that is? Okay, so um, there's the new government that came in. They, they had decided they, they had seen um, the wave in technology, but they actually wanted to do something. At least try and do something about it, even if sometimes their aim, even if they have a political aim, um, sometimes. But at least they want to do something. That's yep. why I think it's important. So I got involved. I got a call that this is what they were planning. And they know, like, I, I can get involved. I have the skill. And I said, yeah, yeah, I would love to be part of it because I've been teaching kids for quite some time, you know. So I would love to be part of this too. And that was when I got involved. So the idea is we teach kids. Um, There are different tracks. There's robotics. There's design. And they also have drone classes where they teach kids stuff about drones. And um, so the idea is we could equip the kids we have today for what's to come tomorrow because the technological advancements we see today we cannot stop them you know lots of things are coming you can't stop technological advancement We can actually can adjust and you can prepare for the advancements that come so but right here we don't have such preparation for the kids coming um, right behind us you see so i like the fact that the government decided that and then the first one, we had there's a lot of turnouts because every parent they're actually seeing what's going on. You see. They're actually seeing the news and stuff like that when people do stuff. And they actually, actually want their child to be part of this thing too. And for some people back then, um, I had a very supportive mom where she, she had no issues with me doing whatever I wanted to do. You see, she did not tell me that this is what I'm going to do. And that was it, she let me do what I wanted to do. But for some people, they they, 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 sometimes the family is not supportive. They tell them that they're wasting their time. What do they think they're doing? Their mates are there, studying to become a doctor and stuff like that. But I like the fact that for the kids coming here, they don't get that image portrayed to them too. When they come here, we teach them that they can be anything they want and we ask them what they're interested in. What would they love to be? What would they want to do rather? What would they love to do? And there, there are lots of cool stuff that they, they do here. Um, I, I take the robotics track where I use um. There's a robot called Edison. So it has um, two programming interface interfaces. One is um, block-based, like Scratch. And the other is um, text-based and uses Python. So I teach them, for the um, younger kids, block-based. For the older kids, um, I would introduce the Python-based interface to them. For design class, there are lots of cool designs that kids make. And when I believe that when they get home, their parents would actually be happy and wonder that. So their kids could do such things. So it's, it's actually preparing them. and informing them that in the in five years, in 10 years, the world will not be as it is. There will be lots going on in the technological world and you have to be prepared for it. So these kids have the knowledge, at least they have the background at this point, that, okay, I know that this exists, I know that this exists. And then with all these, last year and this year, one thing I like is the fact that we did not learn the kids that, we, that came back. For some of them, it was, it, most, mostly what we do is give them a foundation You know, the program um, the major program runs majorly throughout summer in August. So it runs for one month where um, we teach kids different, we don't different classes have different days. So the idea is after all these, the, the kids now know that they have options. They have more than one thing they can do in tech. They they don't just have to be a programmer or a designer. No, it can be anything they want to be. So with these foundational they can decide for themselves. Well, or they can just play around for some time before they eventually make that decision. So I really like the fact that the government is coming to this because the government has the power and the ability and the resources to provide this training for these kids. They can take care of the resources. They have allocated funds for that.
0: That is so cool. I, I don't know of a similar thing. There probably is one in the U.S. for teaching kids how to code just straight out of the gate. I know we have... Hour of Code, and we have things like Code for America, which are sort of governmental projects that, or at least Code for America is, that try to make our civic society more more tech-related, but just straight out teaching kids how to code for the sake of it from the government level is something that I haven't heard much in in like developed countries, which I think is fascinating. Yeah,
1: it is. It's, it's, it's very, 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 very... Very, very, very fascinating and important. Let me talk about Rwanda a little bit. Rwanda is one country where um, I really, really admire the government of Rwanda because they've they've taken more than a step forward in introducing kids to tech. Basically, for some years now, I can't say exactly how many years they had partnership with OLPC where they use sugar in their classrooms. You know, they have programs where these, these kids are being introduced into tech. So. Technological-wise, Rwanda is Rwanda has done a very, very great job. The government of Rwanda has done a very, very good job at giving these kids this information and these resources, the ability to create what they want or give them the knowledge that they need for their future. So I'm really, really glad about the Rwanda government. And you see, today in Rwanda, the kids, they're, they're doing really, really cool stuff. They have lots of awesome stuff. They and I think recently they changed their laptop models. I can't remember. I was reading the article recently about the report on Rwanda, what they had done. I I can't remember the details of the article, but they had changed their messaging recently. And the fact that one very important thing is these kids would easily adapt to their new machines and easily keep up with what they were doing before because they already had the experience from a very, very long time. See, So tomorrow we'd have a lot of kids from Africa, from Nigeria, from Rwanda, from every part of Africa, hopefully doing really, really amazing stuff and showing that we can create and do stuff too. Even if life here is different and um, it's a little bit difficult growing up here, especially when you're not in a high class family or not, but it doesn't really matter because in, in technology, nobody looks at you and says, uh, What matters in technology basically is if you can or can't do something, nobody looks at you and um, points out who you are, where you're from. The ability to give these, to empower these kids to do what they, to decide for themselves and do what they want to do is very, very, very important. And I like that the Rwandan government has done a lot. I really do.
0: What I also love is that you bring up Rwanda. I mean, I just Googled it. The shortest distance between Nigeria and Rwanda is 1,600 miles. So that's such a huge distance away. And yet for you, it's still Africa and Africa coding. And I've also seen the same thing in South America, where basically people in Paraguay, people in Uruguay are closely looking into what's yeah. happening in Colombia and that's amazing because here in the US at least for my part it's much more individual focused. it's much more project focused and it's much more uh, what does sustaining mean for like my mental health or what does it mean for my project whereas for you it's like well, what does it mean intergenerationally what does it mean for the country what does it mean for my entire community having coders in it
1: well the thing is when when I look back at how it all started and the everything I had to pass through, to be very, very honest. I actually don't want other people to go through the same thing, you see. So that's why I actually admire the work done by the teacher in Uruguay. He started a community where he taught. And the the kids in Uruguay, they've done really, really amazing. They had a kid who he he, he won Google Coding twice in a row. He won it straight two times in a row. And then after that, the, the rule was changed in Google Coding. If you win Google Coding once, you could not win it again. I he won it twice in a row. <laughs> and then there was another one. There was another one. I think he was 17 at the time. He had found um, a book on one of Google's servers. His name was entered into Google's um, Hall of Fame. And he, he basically, when he, he all started from somewhere, he all started from that program, the, the experience they had from that program, the exposure that they had. So I want to be able to help. Other kids, it it doesn't matter if provided you're interested in whatever reason it is you're interested in. If it's something you want to take as a career or something you want to do just on the side, I have no issues. Just provided you're interested, let me do my part to make the uh, road less difficult than it was for me.
3: So it seems like the generation before you kind of planted the seeds for this kind of growth that's happening, and now you're in kind doing the same thing for the next generation. Whereas it's going to kind of build a tech hub, really, really prominent tech hub in Nigeria and the other country you were talking about. I can't pronounce it. So I apologize. Ulanda, yeah. So <laughs> our, yeah. Wait, yeah. can I ask you, wh- who who are these people who have sort of gave you the chance to do this is this the sugar labs founders or is it go beyond that because i just want to know kind of the history of how this kind of revolution is happening
1: okay well um basically sugar labs gave me the foundation and the direction i needed so aside sugar labs giving me the foundation and direction i've needed so everything i've done has been all by myself there's nobody pointing me in any direction i but the, the wave right now, you see, um, when you go through things and especially when you're from this part of the world, you would want to, you, you understand what you go through and you would, in some way, at least want to make it easier for other people. So that's what I actually brought about the movement of the Open Source, open source Community Africa. The, the idea is giving people that knowledge that is a little bit lacking, creating that awareness. So personally, for me... Sugar Labs gave me the direction. The OLPC gave me the direction and that I needed. But aside Sugar Lab, there's nobody the, when, when you were talking, you had talked, you had said something about the older generation doing something for us. And they, they actually nobody actually did anything. You see. <laughs> nobody did anything. I never knew of any programmer that was close to me. I I, I I never knew anyone. You see, I didn't even know if they existed in my state. I had no idea of anyone. So the idea is at least I've gotten to a certain level and I'll still keep going further, but what can I do for people coming from behind me, people coming after me? What can I do for them? And I want to make their journey better than mine was, and I can do that.
3: Got it. Yeah, I wasn't trying to take anything away from you. I was just, I was no, just, no. I was
1: just curious. <laughs> no, no. I didn't imply that you were trying to do that. Okay. No, no. I just wanted to make sure. No, it w- another
3: question I had was, how do you and where do you see this movement, your tech hub in twenty years? Where would you like to see it in terms of not just open source contributors and but like companies coming in and kind of reviving the economy and all that? I mean do you see it kind of that way or are you just focused strictly on open source
1: well i 'm not just focused on but I see um, in twenty years in ten years, I see the African tech space as where Innovations and collaborations happen. Products that would help better the people people's life, even if it's not open source, even um, open source wise and not open source wise. But the idea is that open source is what I know. Open source is what we were introduced to at the same time, so that's why we introduce open source to people. We know that open source has the power to bring a lot of people together and do something. But in the next 20 years, I want to see Africa where the kids are. That then we would have a lot of engineers. In Africa, from Africa, staying in Africa and working with companies in Africa and outside Africa too. So, you see today that a lot of times we have good developers, good software engineers, they have been the, employed and they leave Nigeria. That's totally understandable. That's due to the um, conditions, the living conditions here, that's totally understandable. In 10, 20 years, I want to see that change. I want to see that here in Nigeria, here in Africa, we have a lot of engineers that have been employed by companies outside who have offices here too. We all know that when there's a lot of people employed, there are new offices being built in the country that helps the economy thrive. There's um, a lot of people who are taking off streets or basically the economy thrives and everybody tends to apply their skill to help other people's life get better. And in the society at large, we see that The problems we have in our society will get solved. In the US, I know for a fact that they have a lot of things going up in robotics, going on in robotics, where people have um, robotic arms, robotic limbs, where they can walk again. They are being tested. These devices are being tested, and they can walk again. And here we can implement that here too, because we have a lot of people who are still disabled and need help. So if we had such here, and I believe we will in ten to twenty years, everything we do, it will not just be about we using people. We using softwares or hardwares, devices created by people out there. It will be we being part of the creators. We being part of the people who create these devices, these softwares. And there's when you, when you're the creator of something, you automatically get this joy when you see somebody use your creation. So it's good for everybody, and it's also good for the economy because definitely when companies come down here and employ people, unemployment waste drops. They're investing money in the economy, and that's a very, very good
0: thing. Thank you so much. This has been awesome. I think that's probably a really good spot to wrap it up because it filled me with shivers, and I'm really happy about it, especially like I keep going through my head. You're kind of doing intergenerational, It's the word I keep using, dry. Don't repeat yourself. You know, it took you this much time to, to, to get here, so let's make it easier for the next person, Yeah, uh, which is kind of a coder's mentality. So I, I love that.
3: It's like um, a pay it forward. I love it.
0: Exactly. Super awesome. Thank you. At this point, I want to move on to Spotlights where we basically choose the coolest thing that's on our heads this week for open source. Generally, we have Jim go last because you're the contributor on this podcast. So Eric, do you have anything for Spotlight this week?
2: Yeah. So recently we decided as a company to migrate over to Salesforce. And Salesforce, I think is a kind of like a, a milestone for a company. It's it's a big commitment, but also it it kind of feels like okay now we're we're kind of getting past our our company puberty, so to speak, and getting into our teen years so yeah, I'm kind of excited about this. there's a library out there that supports Salesforce integration with Ruby projects called rest Force, and if you look at it, it's super cool there's tons of contributors on there, no core maintainer appears to be actively working on it. it's just community driven yeah, it started back in 2012 so I think it's a great example of keeping the lights on. And I wanted to thank all of those maintainers and contributors to that project for doing so because it makes my life a lot easier.
0: Awesome. Thank you, Eric. Justin, what do you got?
3: Okay. So I've been using Sketch a lot. Sketch is a proprietary uh, graphic arts program. And there is sometimes where I need to, like for instance, our art covers to put different numbers on each cover for each episode it's very manual so i found this source available project called sketch csv mail merge which imports data from csv files to sketch and while it is on github it doesn't have a license so it is source available and my next job is to reach out to the maintainer and let him know hey a lot of companies can't use this because it doesn't have a license and you know build a relationship from there but yeah, this is saving me a lot of time. And I just wanted to bring it to attention. And uh, yeah, if you if use you Sketch and you need to import CSV, that's definitely the place.
0: Awesome. Thank you, Justin. I would love to try Sketch. I haven't tried it yet. My thing today is semantic release, which is a really awesome way of making sure that your commits actually conform to the semantic conventions for basically uh, the Angular conventions for how commits should look. So whether something is a chore or whether it is a refactor or whether it's a feature. uh, You can put all that in your commit, so you have a standardized way of actually coding stuff on Git so you can see what's like better. I really picked semantic release, actually, because I was looking at Zeke's profile. Zeke, Z-E-K-E. He's done a ton of awesome work doing internationalization, uh, especially for Node.js and GitHub. And internationalization is super important because without it, a lot of people who don't have English as their first language may not learn how to code. And so I kind of feel like I kind of just wanted to actually have Zeke be my person who I'm talking about this time. But as he's a person, not a project, I chose one of his projects that I particularly like, which is Semantic Release. But seriously, check out Zeke's work, actually, because it's way cool. And now, what what is your project you have this week?
1: Yeah, okay. I stumbled on um, Delta recently. Um, It was actually from a tweet. It's basically um, a syntax highlighting pager for Git and diff output. Basically, it brings um, language syntax highlighting um, within line insertion, deletion, detection, and structured diff output to Git uh, on the command line. It, it gives this pretty feel an output when you use um, an output, um, a diff output tool from a Git or diff itself. And I really, really like it because it, it's I've not tried it yet, and I will as soon as um, I can. But it's, it basically gives you a very good diff output, and they are certain, um, it gives you in certain chunks where you can be able to um, discern what class has a particular chunk, if um, a particular change is from a particular um, class, it it, it keeps that separate, it keeps the class as the first part of change before you see the change itself. There's another one, it still does that. So I really, really like the project and it's really cool.
0: Awesome. Thank you. There was actually a reason I put Spotlight before I asked the next question, because I wanted us to just have a tiny bit of code in this podcast. I feel like there was a lot of very high level, this is how you get kids coding. Uh, (laughs) Just to show that we all are coders and we all work on this stuff every day. And that's also part of coding is the grind, right? Getting into it and finding cool tools. Before we close this off, Jeremiah, where can people follow you? Where can they get involved in projects that you're involved in? How can we help?
1: Okay, I'm currently on Twitter as I am underscore ebiam, and we also need a lot of developers at sugar labs too. You can visit at, um, our GitHub page at sugar labs, just search sugar labs and you can see us on GitHub. And yeah, I'm basically at sugar labs these days, and um, I intend to um, eventually get to work with other people. And if anybody wants somebody, um, Python based programmer, who would like to work with them on stuff from this part of the world or get involved in certain things, I'm available too and
0: yeah thank you just for everyone else hearing that's I-A-M underscore I-B-I-A-M I-B-I-M. on Twitter yep. I am Shibyam thank you for not putting C-H-I-H-U-R-U-M-A-Y-A because <laughs> that's just very very long and hard most very people very still. long
1: yeah 12 letters yeah 12 letters. super it's cool though
0: big. I love it thank you so much it's been a super pleasure talking to you I really thank hope you that you been. continue to do awesome work and take care yeah thank you
3: thank you